This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Well, Zach, we are back at Progressive Field, and it is the Selby is Godcast, courtesy of the Athletic Cleveland, and we are back outside our comfy spot, the Infinity Club Lounge. They'll not let us in the lounge, but we're right outside where we prepare for, well, what could be another cold night down here at the ballpark. Have you thought out just from this past weekend? Have you been able to even get your brain to think like it normally should based on the temperatures we've been seeing? Were those guys guys right now who are the first in line to get into the nightclub but the bouncer's like nah you guys stay out here and we need like attractive people on our arms or something to get in um i haven't felt my fingers or my toes in quite a while but i don't like, i get to go to puerto rico in a few days so i don't i don't want to rub it in too much it's supposed to be like 87 and sunny every day so he'll warm up We'll get there. Spring just arrived like a few weeks ago. We can't get ahead of ourselves here. Yeah, the players are already <laughs> tired of not only playing in it, but talking about it too. I mean, it has become the... Every conversation starts with, oh, pretty cold out there, huh, man? Yes. Uh, how are you staying warm? And it's inevitable because it, right now it's a huge part of every game because it is impacting the hitters. There's no question about it. But when you get to a point when you're asked about it, like for the 30th time, I can't imagine there are any they, – they, they can't be any closer to wanting to talk about that than any other topic I think out there. We talked about this – I think I was in Arizona. It was the start of spring training, and we were talking about this on the podcast because, remember, the only thing people talk about is weather. Yeah. And, like, who cares? We're all experiencing this. Who cares? We can commiserate together, sure. But, like, I remember it was, it was cold in Seattle. And especially in the stadium because the retractable roof, it doesn't, like, close off the stadium. So the cold air still gets in and the press box is freezing. And, like, that's all we talked about there. And then in Anaheim, the only thing anyone talked about was what the forecast was going to be in Cleveland for the homestand. And then now we get to Cleveland and the only thing people talk about is the weather. So uh, it's... I think humans I th- are weird. I think my favorite part has been, I mean, we are the biggest of babies sitting up in our comfy little press box sure. where the front row is 10 to 15 degrees colder than the rest of the press box because it's right there by the window. And it used to be a hell of a lot worse before they fixed those windows um, where nobody could sit in the front row. But now you can sit down there. It is colder. We have people uh, moving up to the third row to stay warm right underneath the heating vents. And these are the same guys that have moved up, that are now out of the front row, that are getting out of the elements, that are now complaining and analyzing what these players are doing are down on the field while they're trying to throw a cue ball at 96 miles per hour, keeping out of the fat part of the plate, and the hitters are there with their bats. Not only are they trying to just keep them warm, they've got them right next to the heater. Tito says every at-bat is like an event, and it truly is. To get warmed up, to go up to the plate, 
it, it makes it really difficult to really truly criticize the, anyone's performance in these sorts of elements. I hadn't thought about that. In 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 Seattle the last day, it was especially windy and it was it was pretty cold and I got up and got a coffee or a hot chocolate every inning. Not to drink, just to warm my fingers. <laughs> and it's ironic when you're you, you're trying to warm up to type so that you can critique the people you're typing about. Um, that is funny. I had not thought of that. But, you know, it. Uh, we can segue here. It makes you appreciate how easy the Indians pitchers have made it look. And I know the pitchers have the advantage in this weather that no one wants to be swinging a bat. When you make contact, it probably stings like hell. But Corey Kluber... Whether he's pitching in 80 degrees and sunshine or 30 degrees and wind and snow flurries seems to have become just automatic. And I wonder, especially after we watched him just completely dismiss the Tigers in the series opener Monday, do we take him for granted a little bit? I think it's it's probable because you get spoiled. You, you absolutely do. It, it happens every night when the Cavs play and you see LeBron James, and if he if he doesn't go out and have a triple-double every night. You're wondering what's wrong with him. What's wrong with LeBron? He only had 25 tonight, 8 assists, and, well, there's only 6 rebounds. Uh, probably not good enough, LeBron. And that's that's sort of what happens when you're around greatness. You just come to expect more greatness. And it makes it funny when you know when you talk about the, the rest of the guys in the starting staff. I think it actually shows you how good some of these other guys are, that they don't look so much different in comparison to him. When we're talking about Kluber potentially being a future Hall of Famer. If he goes out and wins another Cy Young, that legitimately becomes a, a very real conversation for him. So I think it's tough to not lose sight of how special he is. And I that's why I really like talking to to fans, reporters, people from out of town, guys that don't get to see these players on a regular basis. I know when you're on different podcasts, different shows, they ask you a lot about Francisco Lindor, and he's a favorite for many people around the game, not just here in Cleveland. And it's the same for Corey Kluber. When when you see people from out of town just marvel at what he does, or you see guys nationally make gifts of his pitches, making guys look like idiots, like they've never swung the bat before, and these are professionals that, that look like complete fools when he's up there that at least helps gain a little bit of perspective in this because it would be very simple to lose sight of of him just being the dynamic special superstar pitcher that he's become i mean you you have you have situations now Zach to show you how good he is when he gives up a home run in the first inning everyone goes to the what's wrong with Corey Kluber card yeah. why why did he give up Post a season home run? form <laughs> he gave up two runs in six innings that's not good enough that's not typical Corey Kluber and I think that kind of shows you how special it is that you've come to expect that he is going to be as dominant as ever in every outing that he's out there. So, I think 10 pitchers have won multiple Cy Young Awards. I'm gonna, let's go through the list really quick. Or have won three or more. Kluber's one of 19 to have won two or more. Um, but of the 10, let's make sure. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, okay, 10 guys. Two are active. Kershaw. Hall future of Hall of Famer, right? Max Scherzer, probably a future Hall probably, of Famer. Probably, yeah. Um, those guys have won three. Tom Seaver, he's won three. 
in the Hall of Fame. Jim Palmer, he won three in the Hall of Fame. Pedro Martinez, he won three in the Hall of Fame. Sandy Koufax, he won three in the Hall of Fame. Greg Maddox and Steve Carlton, they won four apiece. They're both in the Hall of Fame. Randy Johnson won five. He's in the Hall of Fame. Roger Clemens won seven. He would be in the Hall of Fame, except his name tied to steroids and Barry Bonds and all that. But the fact that if he won another one, he'd be in that company. Yes. Those are names that are household names. Those are iconic names. That's crazy to me. This was a guy who, I, I mean, they acquired him in 2010 for like a year and a half of Jake Westbrook. <laughs> and like he even, I mean, I've talked to Mike Chernoff about this a number of times. Like, they didn't know what he was going to become. They, they liked no. his strikeout rate. They thought, you know, his stuff might be good and, and that he could crack the major leagues. But they did not anticipate right. this. And well, so, I mean, to, credit to him. He, he kind sure. of reinvented. It's probably too strong of a word. Himself as a pitcher. But, you know, he found a pitch that he developed and created um, that has worked splendidly for him. And, it, and it's made all of the rest of his pitches play up more. He is a master sequencer. And I know Gomes talks about this every, every time he starts. But just the adjustment. Adjustments that he makes on a daily basis. It's not just the stuff, but it's also the work ethic, the cerebral aspect of this. I mean, he's out there outsmarting everybody, um, and he is one to never let the emotions of the game get in the way. So it's like a, a perfect storm of so many different things that brings you what we've seen and what he's become. And that is, if he's not, if you're if you're saying he's not the best pitcher right now in the game, he's top three, hands down. I think my point though was. Part of the reason we might take him for granted is because he wasn't the number one pick who comes up with all this fanfare and, and you expect that. I think when he won his first Cy Young Award, I still think there were a lot of skeptics out there who said, okay, I mean, we've seen weird people like Rick Porcello win a Cy Young Award. Um, is he really weird? I don't know, but he's like, why, why did he win a Why did he have Rick such Porcello. a good year? Rick Porcello won a Cy Young um, and they, they wanted him to do it again. And he followed that season up with one in which he got zero run support and the Indians were a mess. And he was still good, but I think a lot of people maybe looked at the, what was he, like 9-16, and 16, something like that. Yeah. And they said, okay, well, this is like a good pitcher, but, you know, he had his best year already. And then he followed that up with another really good year and just dominated in October until Game 7 of the World Series when he was pitching on fumes. And I think people were like, okay, this is legitimized now. And then he goes out, and last year was just insane from June through September. So it's legitimate now. It's happened kind of quickly, and it's happened unexpectedly. Um, and so I think there's still a little bit of an underappreciation for what he brings every five days because – this game is, is those who can be consistent at it are the ones who thrive, but it is so, so difficult to do that. And he's got it down pat. You're familiar with the Twitter account Freezing Cold Takes, correct? I've been on there once or twice. Okay, well, I, they've gotten me twice. The first one was a joke that I made about the, the Cavaliers, the black uniforms that eventually they wore when they won the championship. The first time they wore them, LeBron was so unhappy with them that he went into the locker room and yeah. ripped the sleeves, and of course that became very famous. And I made the joke kind of off of the fact that LeBron, you know, the joke that LeBron runs the franchise, that if LeBron didn't like the jersey, 
jerseys, you ain't gonna never see these things again. And I made that joke. And of course, they went on to wear those jerseys a lot because they were they were licensed to do that. And then they went out and won the championship wearing those things. So that became a freezing cold take that well, LeBron doesn't like these uniforms. He'll never wear these Sweet again. Sweet call, TJ. That became the first one. The second one was not even my take. It was me retweeting somebody back in 2010, and it came from a scout, uh, just a scout that uh, was a, an innocent bystander in this situation, who was looking at that trade with Jake Westbrook, Ryan Ludwig, correct? Yeah. And, of course, Corey Kluber being the third part of that to complete the three-team deal. And they said that all the Padres gave up was a guy that, at best, is a fringe number five starter, and they've gotten back a guy that will slug for them for years to come in Ryan Ludwig. Oh it is a clear hands-down win for the Padres. Something to that effect is what I retweeted. Well, that became also a freezing cold take because that tweet got deleted. And my tweet back in the manual retweet days, remember? You had to actually yeah. hit the, you had to write RT, then the actual tweet, copy and paste. It's not like it is today. So that is what exists in the universe. And that's my second freezing cold take. That wasn't even my take. Well, I was just they, retweeting a guy's take. When the Padres suggested Corey Kluber, the Indians' front office tried to look him up, and the first thing they did was go to Baseball America's top 30 prospects for each team. Kluber wasn't on there. They couldn't find him. So then they had to make some calls and then look some stuff up, and, and eventually were like, okay, well, eh, we like some of this stuff, and we don't really need a ton in return here, so let's do it. So he's, I mean, he, it's a great success story, and it's a shame that Kluber doesn't talk, because it would be nice to get his true inner thoughts on it and and know what has fueled him through all these years but it, it's he's at a point now where it's it's really is must see TV and it's he just makes hitters look so foolish their reactions are great oh yeah uh, Miguel Cabrera yesterday after he struck out in the first inning almost like smiled like I didn't have a chance to hit that <laughs> um, and, and just the numbers he puts up are crazy I know we're in an age now where Strikeout numbers are inflated, and and if you're really good and you can keep the ball in the park, you can you can probably put up some just eye popping numbers as a pitcher. But it, it's you know it's not like he's throwing a hundred. No. It, it's like you said. I mean, it's a lot of cerebral stuff and and just being extremely intelligent and and doing your research and your homework and your preparation in between starts. I mean, there there was a start last year. I don't remember who was against, but. Kluber was surprised because the hitters were reacting to his four-seamer as if they were surprised. And Gomer, after the game, said, you know, at one point they were having a conversation. It was like the hitters had forgotten that he throws a four-seamer. And he ended up going to that well <laughs> a ton in that game. And he got a lot of called strikes with the four-seamer, surprising hitters, just reinventing himself in that game, going against what they probably even decided before the game was going to be the game plan. Yesterday, he started early with a lot of two-seam that came back over the plate. And then eventually that ended up setting up his, his curveball, his slider mix, and, and just nuking hitters that way. There are games where he'll go out there and throw almost exclusively sliders and cutters, and there'll be other games where he sets things up with other pitches. And that's what I think is most fun about him. is, is he. I don't think you can ever go into a start knowing exactly what you're going to see from him because he adapts. He sees what hitters are doing. And if he's right physically and he doesn't lose his release point or doesn't bat, have to battle the back, I mean, hitters don't have a chance against this guy. Really, at this point, the only thing I think gives the hitters any sort of advantage is if he's not right. It, it's 
like they mm-hmm. can't do a thing against him. They just have to pray that they're either going to get him early in a game before maybe he settles into that release point or he feels good with where he's at. You know, they want to get him in the stretch early to kind of mess with him because once he gets locked in, forget about it. And I think that's probably what's most exciting for Indians fans because we've seen him start years slow because it kind of is a slow build for him to get into a place where he feels like he's in a good spot. If he's figured it out to a point where he comes out of spring looking like this the first three games, good people Lord. are going to want to know what, what does he have left in store? How does he get even better? I'm so fascinated to see him evolve through the years too. Um, he signed through 2020, so the Indians and their fans will get this year, next year, the year after, at least. Uh, But we've seen other pitchers like Felix Hernandez and Justin Verlander have to reinvent themselves. CeCe Sabathia is another one. You know, you you can't throw 98 anymore, so you have to figure out a way to to work your breaking stuff in there more and just be a smarter pitcher and and keep hitters off their toes with different things instead of just blowing it by them. Well, I don't think Kluber's going to have any trouble with that. And it's not like he's throwing that hard right now anyway. He's already so ahead of the game and, and so he's always one step ahead of the hitters where, you know, it, it, it wouldn't be difficult if he had to change his his approach. I mean, he's done it before, so it, it's it's why he could remain good for quite a long time. I mean, I don't I don't see him like flaming out at 34. No, I mean because he works his ass off. We know he does. He, he is such a a slave to his routine. He never changes anything about what he's doing between starts. Um, he might make some subtle adjustments here and there, and he, and he even admitted that he was doing some different stuff uh, between starts this spring to to make sure he was in a better spot. And I, and I think it all was kind of an eye toward coming out of the gate this strong, because I'm sure he gets frustrated with with when he starts the year, not with where he wants to be. And yeah, it's, it's good to finish the year strong and try to head into the postseason as, as pitching as well as possible, but He's also working to a point where he just can be the same consistent guy for the entire season. And and we don't know what, what's going to happen the rest of the year. And, and, and he is a guy that occasionally will lose his release point or his mechanics will get a little bit out of whack. And maybe he'll go through a couple start stretch where he doesn't command as well. And then we'll probably get inundated with tweets about what's wrong with Kluber. And, and I think the one thing that you can feel good about is that he's going to self-correct. He's going to figure it out. We've seen this many times. And it, it almost feels like you're... Yeah, just you and I having this conversation feels like it's an oversell. Like, okay, guys, let's let's back it up a little bit. But we are legitimately talking about. I mean, when you're talking about this franchise, is it Bob Feller and Corey Kluber? Is are those the two best pitchers this franchise has ever seen? Well, let's not forget about Tomo Oka, Mitch <laughs> Talbot. Uh, one more. Alvin Mormon. He was a reliever, though. He was one of the best. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't. It's those two. I mean, CC Cologne, Cliff Lee, like those guys weren't around long enough. Mm-hmm. In the 90s, no one was around long enough. No one was good enough in the 80s or the 70s or the yeah. 60s. I mean, you don't know what happened I mean, they with, had with good, Herb Scores' career. Yeah, and like but Bob talk, Lemon was really good. But I mean, we are talking about two of the greatest pitchers this franchise has ever seen. That's 120 years. And we're... I mean, to even have said that three or four years ago seems completely ridiculous. Like, just a complete um, oversell of being in the moment. Because that's what you see every day. Of course, you're going to think this guy's as good as everybody else. But what if you would actually have seen Bob Feller pitch? I, 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 I struggle to think anybody would not see those two as being 
Um, if not on the same plane, because just Kluber hasn't done it long enough, and, and of course Bob Feller's career was interrupted in the middle a little bit, but still, I mean, how could you not put those two in the same conversation? At this it's point? crazy to think that we were lucky enough to see LeBron James at his peak, Corey Kluber at his peak, Phil Dawson at his peak. <laughs> I mean... How many Cleveland fans can say that? It's you're in uh, an era of greatness here, and I and I truly hope. I mean, all jokes aside, I hope people can enjoy it because it's really difficult in the moment to enjoy it. Sure, because you're focused on your team winning, and it it gets a lot easier to look back in in hindsight. And what's the old quote about this being the, the good old days? I wish there was a way to know when it was the good old days. What is Andy Bernard? Yeah, it sets uh, you up such for a, it. That's like the greatest quote in TV history, too. I can't remember it word for word. Uh, but, I mean... I wish there was a way you could know it was the good old days before they're gone? Something like that? I think we get the... We, Speaking we get of the office, uh, I wanted to say happy birthday, Corey Kluber. That's why we just spent 20 minutes talking about you. But in the Indians clubhouse, we think, because it wasn't there when we arrived to the ballpark today the Indians put up a little uh, office reference it is your birthday period with <laughs> half inflated balloons which leads me to ask you what have you enjoyed from uh, the first two weeks of the season behind the scenes in the clubhouse well, well there's been quite a bit and I will let you talk about uh, your admiration for Mr. Jose Ramirez and his go-karting with Mario <laughs> uh, but I, I, I did find it funny yesterday, and to kind of pull people behind the scenes, a lot of times after these games, of course, we always talk to the manager. There's a separate room where they pull Tito into. It's a multi-purpose room. They, they use it for hitters meetings, pitchers meetings. But after ping the game, pong. before the game, ping in the pong. past, ping pong. Shout out yes. Chris Perez. Uh, but after the game, before the game, it's where they bring a lot of reporters in. It's instead of crowding one guy at his locker with 30 deep reporters, you can actually have everyone sitting down. And they just try to do it to make everyone's lives easier. Well, they pull in, last night they pull in Francona, they pull in Kluber, they pull in Zimmer because he hit the home run. And then afterwards you go into the locker room and you get whatever else you might need. Kind of helps everybody out that way. Last night, after talking to Kluber, you know, you usually don't get the most glowing quotes about himself from Corey Kluber. So the next best thing is going to talk to his catcher because Jan Gomes has no problem gloating about Kluber. I'm sure he's just as giddy. Uh, getting to watch him from behind the plate as fans are getting to watch him from the seats. So last night we're in there. At the, at the the time Andrew Miller had come out to his locker, he got the save last night, and he wasn't sure if we were going to talk to him, and we were thinking, okay, maybe that would be a, a, a good person to talk about Kluber because obviously Miller can appreciate someone like as uh, as good as Kluber is. Well, as we were deciding whether or not we wanted to talk to Miller, Jan Gomes came out, he started walking to his locker, so we did the thing where we all just start sauntering over to him, following. We're like a bunch of stalkers. To death mark. TMZ style. Um, and Miller at one point said, hey, Jan, uh, the, you're the only one over here, man. They're here to talk to you. And we joked, hey, we might have talked to you, but here's Jan. And, and Miller's like, great timing. And Gomes says, at this point says to, to Miller, you know what, man? They only want to talk to me when I do something good or I do something bad. And it was at that point I realized he's figured us out. <laughs> he's on to us, man. He is. He what has, other possibility is there? He has figured out our formula, and now I think it's pretty. It's pretty important that we start changing up our formula because now the players are on to us. 
Do we go talk to him after he? Hey, Jan, can you? Play? How'd you feel out there today, going one for four with a walk and two flyouts? <laughs> and like, or I mean, we talk to Tito after every game. We talk to him only when they win and when they lose. Yeah, it's unbelievable. That's correct. Um, Gomer's on to us. How about Zimmer? Didn't you like uh, you had a, when Zimmer entered the room? Well, Zimmer last night walks in and he he had. I'm sure is not ready to go in and speak to reporters, but so he's chomping on a huge piece of gum. He walks into the room, a couple steps in, realizes he's chewing the gum. Well, what do you do with it? You're going to throw it in the garbage can. There's no garbage can in that room. So now what? Do you stick it on the wall? Do you put it under the table? Do you put it behind your ear? What do you do with it? Bart Swain, the Indians' PR director, is standing right next to Zimmer, sticks his hand out, takes the gum and puts it in his hand and says, it's all right, man. I do this with my kids all the time. <laughs> and if you think about it, for Bart, it's kind of like his children. Yeah. Um, so the the there have been a lot of birthdays. We had Yonder Alonso's birthday was the other day, and there was a mariachi band, which was coordinated by Yonder's family and Edwin Encarnacion. Before, before, before you move on, can we set up that day? Oh, jeez. Because that was the culmination of one hell of a weird day. There's a parking garage. <laughs> the Gateway East... This is how all great stories start. The Gateway East parking garage. I'm sure many of you have parked there before. Sporting events. It is the seventh level of game, hell. Maybe a concert. Monsters, gladiators, tribe. <sighs> it always, on the weekends, opens four hours before first pitch. How do you know it always opens four hours before? Because we get there four and a half or five hours, and we sit in our cars and wait and feel like assholes and get pissed off. And and when does the clubhouse open on every Saturday? Usually four hours before first pitch. So, so we'd like to arrive a little early, go up to the press box, put our stuff down, do any prep or research we have to do. Any hardball and, dynasty action. And then walk down to the clubhouse in time. So... You know, we've. I think we've just come to accept that Saturdays we're going to be a little late to clubhouse hours. It's this has been going on for years and years. No one's ever figured it out for some reason. But this this week, the first Saturday home game of the year, four o'clock start. Clubhouse opened at twelve twenty. How That's many of us arrived? Hours. How many of us arrived at noon? Like, uh, or I, before noon? Um, twenty. 25 people. So there's construction on Huron for the for the queue. So the four-lane road is now two lanes, and there was such a long line of cars waiting to get in this effing parking garage that the line was blocking traffic. And then you had one just brave, beautiful reporter who came from the wrong direction and like pulled Put over to the line. Jeff Shadell, you're the best. And was parked sideways, like perpendicular, blocking both lanes of traffic. It's pulled up in such a way that even if as cars started to pull forward, he would not be able to maneuver his wheel and continue going forward. He was stuck there. And he, he couldn't even back out because of the way he was positioned. Um, so you, there was no traffic going anywhere in Huron, and there's this asshole standing outside of this parking garage refusing to let anyone in. We have passes. We don't need someone to like take our cash and give us a receipt. We just need to hold our little pass up to the thing the bar goes up and we go the garage is open they have caution tape and 
orange cones, quote unquote, blocking it off. And as employees come in, they move the stuff out of the way, let the employees go through. By the time, it, it's like 12.30, we're all late for work. We have called and texted every Indians employee looking for help. At this and point, every person is out of their car. <laughs> we, we just all parked. We put our cars in park, turned them off, and we're just standing outside. We thought about starting a bonfire, um, started about protest. And, and inside, in the window, inside the parking garage, there are like eight employees just chilling there, doing nothing. And we can't get into to do our jobs. And so it was, I mean, you know me, I, I probably say more than I should in this situation and get angry and maybe let loose a few words that we're allowed to say on this podcast, but I couldn't say a different podcast. And, you know, I'm like threatened now by the employees saying, well, we're not going to let you in even when we do open. And this guy's telling us the parking garage doesn't open until one o'clock and it's always been three hours. And it's like, why would these 25 people get here an hour and a half early if they knew they were just going to sit in their cars? No, wait, you guys are the ones that are wrong. Yeah. So this is a very long, convoluted way of saying that finally <laughs> TJ and I get to park, they they open the garage at like twelve forty five. I think they got a phone call from an Indian's employee, but um, we park and we start walking into the into the ballpark. <laughs> there was after we got in, the machine malfunctioned, so it was it stopped scanning people's tickets, and then the lovable Paul Hoynes <laughs> had the wrong day. He gave them like the Sunday, Sunday ticket instead of the Saturday one, so he held everybody up for like ten minutes because he couldn't figure out what he had done wrong. Bottom line is, TJ and I went immediately to the clubhouse, and about 30 seconds after we walk in, this mariachi band comes in. And we really you hear is this solo trumpet coming out from, <laughs> from, from the hallway. <laughs> and you start to hear the strum of the guitars. You and I look at each other like, what planet are we on? <laughs> and we're the only ones who got in, because everyone else was still dealing with the Nobody is going to believe us when we tell this story. <laughs> so the mariachi band played a few songs, including Happy Birthday for Alonzo, who stood in the center of the clubhouse did a little bit of dancing it was it was a nice moment um and i think it was good to see him part of the team you know it was also good on our behalf to have that happen because it was good to get the blood pressure down a little bit yeah because i could see the actual physical steam coming out of your ears (laughs) so jose ramirez you know they have this this hitting it's, machine that he's been on for hours and hours? Yeah, you know, you, you have to take a little bit of a breather. So when he gets five minutes, he goes over and plays Mario Kart. It's the Nintendo 64 version, and it's like arcade style. So he's got like the joystick, and um, I've never seen him not finish in first place. This is I've been tweeting about it for a couple years now. He plays most days, sometimes against Roberto Perez. I've seen him play Danny Salazar. He plays the clubhouse attendance all the time and just kicks everyone's ass. And he's usually Yoshi. He was towed the other day for the first time that I had seen. And he finishes first on Moo Moo Farm. Then finished first on Koopa Troopa Beach, took the shortcut. He was in fifth place. He had missed the shortcut. He, like, goes off the ramp and hit a wall instead of the little opening. And so he was in fifth place 
toward the end of the last lap and he nailed the shortcut, finished in first. And the clubhouse attendant finished, he was in first, finished in second. And Ramirez just looks at the clubhouse attendant after he finishes the race and he goes, oh, second place, that's good. <laughs> like, knowing he finished in first and just rubbing it in. Um, and it was pretty funny. But, so, uh, yeah, tweeted that out and a lot of people want to challenge him. And, and Jose's agent actually replied and said, in spring training, they will bring minor leaguers to Jose's house and have them play Jose in MLB The Show. And Jose's never lost. So this is a... He's a video game fiend. Yeah, I mean, I know Mike Clevenger and Nick Goody are huge into video games. They get together in the offseason. They play online. They, they I mean, they're, const- they're constantly playing video games. Um, so much so that Clevenger brought an entire PlayStation into the spring, into the um, clubhouse at spring training to play himself as in MLB The Show. He was pitching as himself on the television while other players gathered around and made fun of him on the mound. Anyhow. Did you ever create, like, TJ Zuppi, create a player? Oh, yeah. Did, did he look like, was he, like, 6'4", just so built and, like, could yeah, hit home was, runs Yeah, he was, like, forever. actual me. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, my point is, I've seen Nick Goody go over there and get destroyed by Jose Ramirez. Although, I will call, I, I've never seen any of them ever play Rainbow Road. Yeah. It's you know, amazing Ramirez, how they always, like, now they, that I they think always, about it, they just don't go to Rainbow Road. It's, like, always that first... Yeah, the first that's four the only one I ever courses. see. Yeah, they're never playing like Bowser's Castle or. Uh... They always play the easy ones. Interesting. Just gonna call them out. Just gonna call them out. All right, final thing from me, observations wise, and this has been going on for a long time, but it's been funny right off the bat, is. In today's day and age, reporters are, are asked to do everything. We're writing stories, we're tweeting stuff immediately, and and now we're our own videographers too. And a lot of these places, you know, having come from Cleveland.com, it's all video. Got to get video, 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 video. We're pivoting to video. Got to get some video on it. So when you talk to these players, oftentimes they want video of your conversation too, which is the most uncomfortable. So conversation. I mean, when you sit there and. Can have a conversation with a player. We have our little recorders in hand, and when you can kind of just you know, rest your arms comfortably and talk to a player, it's so much more conversational. They feel at ease. You feel at ease. It's 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 just so much more conducive to getting something good from the player. It's just a conversation, um, and it's not like you're tricking them. They know you're recording it, but it's just so much more conversational. When you're sitting there with your iPhone 7s and you've got it pulled out, and as Zach demonstrates, and you can't see, but he's got this thing Should we post a video of this? from my face. <laughs> Reporters are now asked to get the video of these conversations, and the one thing we have not mastered, and maybe you and I have, but some others have not, is that when you're recording video, you often think about the length between your face and the phone because you're watching the video. Oftentimes, reporters lose sight of how close that gets the phone to the player's face. And so it ends up becoming these awkward situations where these players are speaking into the phone, and what? It is six inches away, and it, it, it is right up their nostril. I, I don't know how these players could do this with a straight face. It's funny because no one... Like, no one wants to see... The, I, I mean, I, mean I, I understand video can be valuable sometimes when... You know, if, if if it's a World Series game and you want to hear the superstar talk about his game-winning home run, sure, maybe a video is good. But, like, 
there's so much of it now, and that's just to appease advertisers, and I know I'm going down a, an avenue we don't need to talk about here, but um, the point is when you, when you see these videos pop up everywhere, and it's like a close-up of a guy's face talking, and he's looking directly into the camera, you don't realize how awkward that looks <laughs> just from behind the camera and, and just watching it happen. We walked into the clubhouse today, and Yonder Alonso, it looked like he was going to eat the guy's phone. Like it's so close to his face. It's It's... It makes me cringe just watching it. And it's it really is no fault of the reporter. And, and oftentimes you're asking guys that aren't technolo- technologically savvy to now become that. And I give so much credit. And I know Paul Hoynes takes so much shit. Like for <laughs> the tweets that he sends out. He's got his stance when he takes he, video. He's got like the knee the legs are spread shoulder width, knees are bent a little bit. Your favorite guitarist ripping through a melt uh, a face melting solo. That's Paul Hoynes in his recording stance. He's got his as you said, his feet spread apart, got a good bass, and he always has the wings up on his phone. And that is he's holding the phone horizontally <laughs> and he's got his, it in both of his hands but he's only holding it with his index finger and his thumb the rest of them are all extended as if it looks like some sort of mask you would see down in New Orleans during uh, Mardi Gras but I, I give him credit because he's been doing this forever and that guy is still willing to try new things trying to to stay with the times of what the, it takes and to the be best part is that like 33% of the time he's not even recording because it's on photo and he just took a photo instead by accident. He How didn't even in know. the hell? He figured out a way. The, the <laughs> iPhone is foolproof in that it will not allow you to take video upside down. You flip it one way, it's just going to compensate. and The video will always be right side up. He found a way to record a video upside down. How do you do that? That's why he's a future Hall of Famer. <laughs> How do you record a... F- and my other favorite Hoinsey is when he figured out that he had a stopwatch on his phone running for... <laughs> Two <what was> years. <laughs> Two years he had a stopwatch going. It was still going. Oh, but uh, but those those are some of my favorite uh, behind the scenes moments so far this season. Yeah, and you know this team seems chemistry and camaraderie. That stuff comes over time. You know, you're not going to have a ton of it in April when you're five and five and it's 25 degrees outside. But uh, I think this team is headed in the right direction. I think they're. It's a good group, and it's a lot of the same guys who've been here. But yeah. you know, just seeing in Anaheim, it was Kipnis's birthday, and Carlos Carrasco had made a giant, just like printed out a bunch of sheets of paper to say "Happy Birthday, Mia Moore" in big letters, and like you know, you can just tell these guys care for each other, and uh, it's a close knit group. And that doesn't that doesn't always equal wins, but I think it's helpful. I mean, you got to have guys that are talented, of course, but. When they all get along and there there are those moments of levity, like when Edwin Encarnacion forgets how many outs there are, and everyone can give him shit knowing that he's not going to get pissed off about it, that he's just going to joke around and have fun. You know, those are the things that you need in 162 games to kind of keep you from from getting so locked in that you psych yourself out or you start worrying about things or or like when Brett Myers got DFA'd, that brought some levity, stuff like that. Something like that. Although that guitar, is that still in Clevenger's locker? Well, he, you know, he has an album, and let's just say some of his former teammates were uh, laughing about that. Final thing. You got to say uh, see Shohei Otani yes. in person. Not, I got to see him at the, the tail end of spring training as a hitter, and... 
he didn't look like anything. He, he, he looked very raw, looked like he wasn't ready to hit. And I know now, having listened to a few interviews from people that have been around him and, and have talked to other people that know him, they say he he is always terrible in spring training. Always terrible. So don't be surprised if he's terrible. But he, he didn't really look anything special. And, of course, you saw him in L.A. and a bit of a different situation. Yeah, you know, he... The, like The home run off Tomlin... Okay, Tom was dealing with the bulky back. He's susceptible to the home run. But to come back the next day and hit a two-run homer off Kluber, uh, another no-doubter, uh, that that got my attention. Um, I think baseball needs someone like this who has that hype. And it's international hype. And it's like Aaron Judge was good, but I think we were really sick of Aaron Judge by August or September just because the hype machine had become too much. And because it was centered fully on him. But if Otani can bring you know it's it's just interesting because Mike Trout is the best player on earth and yet is almost underrated and no one knows about him because he plays in LA and because he's personality wise is so quiet. Well, Otani doesn't even well, need hold to on. You said he plays in LA. The problem is he plays in Anaheim. In Anaheim not actually yes. in LA. But but the West Coast too. I mean, I feel like a lot of the baseball world revolves around the Red Sox and the Yankees and, and East Coast bias. So it's good to have. It's good. Otani's going to bring more attention to Trout, which is good, mm-hmm. and and vice versa. And I just think what he's doing is so unprecedented, and it makes you. Baseball is so built and, and centered around history, and this makes you look up numbers that Babe Ruth put up, yeah. and that like it, it, think about did any is he going to be Ted Williams at the plate and Sandy Koufax on the mound? Like, like it makes you think about the history of the game and some of the greatest players that ever played because he's he's doing something that no one else has done. It makes you wonder if you will see players trying to do what he's doing. Yeah. You know, we've seen guys that have to pick eventually. You get to a point where they're really good hitters, they're really good pitchers. You're forced to pick. Your well, team usually makes you. Right. Tomlin would have loved to play shortstop. But the point being is that now maybe you'll see more more people being willing to I mean I'm sure everyone would like to to try to keep doing those things but they don't realize the work that goes into I mean take being a major league hitter all the work that goes with that oh by the way you're also going to have to do all the work that a major league pitcher is going to have to do do you want to undertake that a lot of guys would probably say no I'll pick one or the other would he make it more sexy to want to try to do all those different things and that's I, I give him a ton of credit because you know we didn't know Jack about him when he came over, other than sure. the hype. But you're slowly learning that this guy works his ass off to, to have to have do to, that. Yeah. Well, and it, it's I don't want to get ahead of myself because he's had two starts. He's had a handful of games at the plate. Imagine, and this would be so good for baseball because it would be it's already must see TV. But imagine them in the playoffs. Oh yeah. I mean, with the days off and stuff, he can have an impact on every single game. And if you're a baseball fan, if you're a casual fan, you—that's appointment television. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm glad that he's not only living up to the hype, but I think in some ways exceeding the hype right off the, the rip. And I know there'll be an adjustment period, and I'm sure that'll be, 
there'll be a time where someone's going to have a hot take that he needs to go down to the minors or something. I mean, we, we saw that last year with Judge. Um, and you see that with any young player. But I, I, I am, I'm happy to see that the, the hype has been worth it right off the bat because we see so many guys come in and then they're not worth the hype. And I think it makes it more difficult for those that come after those players because then there's more scrutiny on them and there's more instances where you say, yeah, well, this guy couldn't do it, this guy couldn't do it. Let's try to just judge him based on, on him and what, what he does, what he brings. But I, I am excited as a baseball fan, first and foremost, to have that story uh, right right here in the, the beginning of the season. I mean, isn't he going to – he's – I think I got an email. I don't know how accurate it is. He's the leader for AL MVP pick. Thanks, like, he's Jimmy the favorite. <laughs> and I think uh, I'm interested to see how coverage of this evolves. But, you know, he's going to have – a certain amount of war as a pitcher, a certain amount of war as a hitter, and because you're adding the two together, maybe he's more valuable than anybody else. It's, yeah. This is going to be so fun to watch. Hopefully he stays somewhat close to this level of output. Just uh, take Corey Kluber's pitching and pair it with... Jose Ramirez's hitting and Mario Kart's skill. And uh, you would have one hell of a pitch, hit, and video game robot. Has been the Selby is Godcast. You can subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Anchor. You can follow the links on our website to find all of those. And you can also just listen on the website as well if you don't want to subscribe. But if you do subscribe and if you would like to help us out immensely, go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and some sort of. Some sort of. Uh, I can't even finish that thought because you had that ready so fast. This is our exit music, the Mario Kart soundtrack. Yeah, leave us a comment, leave us a rating over there at Apple Podcasts, and uh, help us move up the ratings. Any closing remarks for our listeners this week? Um, everyone with a level head this time of year, God bless you. Uh, still waiting on some people in our Twitter mentions to uh, step away from the 480 bridge. It's been 10 games, it's been cold, the offense will come around, pitching's been great. Uh, it's a 162 game season, so if you are bitching about Jay Bruce on April 10th, then uh, I don't know how you're going to survive this whole thing. And as the Indians reminded you today on the scoreboard, abusive language may not be appreciated, unless, of course, you are listening to this podcast. We're out of here. Until next week, this has been the Celtic is Godcast. <laughs>